and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. What's happening, everybody? And a merry, merry Christmas from us at Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. I'm your host for this latest feature show, Stephen Wilson, and this is our last uh, feature show of uh, forgettable, I think we all want to say 2020, as uh, we are going to talk about the future, you know, hopefully when we can leave our houses, go outside, see people in a non-virtual way, and but more specifically, of course, as a wrestling podcast, we are talking about the future of WWE more precisely. So we're going to look at what's going to happen in 2021 for the, the flagship company, as people would call them, in professional wrestling. But before we do that, the usual bit of housekeeping before I introduce my panel. You can find us on all good social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. If this is your first time listening to us, you can find us on, subscribe to, sorry, on any good podcasting site. Just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, either the one that you're listening to just now or any other one, Spotify, Anchor, uh, Podbean. And of course, we are on YouTube as well. Just search for their Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We've got lots of great content, quiz showdown, conspiracy theory, and book it just to name a few. Now, to introduce my panel, now, usually if you listen to us, we're full of very creative introductions, but Christmas has been, everybody's been busy. So, my intros are very uncreative. So, just introduce the panel as standard. First of all, he's one of the hosts of East Meets West and Saturday Draft Live. It's Scott McLeod. Thank you very much, Stephen. Yes, Christmas has just gone, and I finally got only just now got rid of all the leftovers that were in my fridge with turkey. I've been stacking them on top of each other like a Scooby Doo S sandwich. Not the goat sandwich, though. No, <laughs> nothing that big. That was an impressive feat, to say the least. Uh, also joining us has is Scott Saturday Draft Live co-host, the stats man himself. It's David Hotney. How do, how do, how, uh, how's your holiday been? Hi, quiet-ish, you know. <laughs> I, 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 am look, I, have to, I am looking at a different direction here, because I, I got a new monitor from Santa, so my desk setup's a little bit different, but it's, uh, uh, it's, I think we all need a bit of a fresh start, don't you think? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, 2021. Uh, you, you, that's a, the WWE's advert for moving into 2021, I think sums up quite well, where they all just battle 2020, they're very odd piece of... Uh, video uh also joining us he has been dubbed by many people but i say many people david campbell as the finest voice on this podcast as gary kellen well that is a man with exquisite taste stephen um can, cannot disagree with the goat on in, in any way shape or form but nice to nice to be here nice to be with you guys i dragged myself out for a run earlier on to try and make up for some of the damage inflicted over Christmas and New Year and oh my goodness I felt every step of that run <laughs> I'm not even going to try it I'm not going to I'm not going to lie uh, and rounding off our panel it's the Scottish big dog the enforcer as he says for the Daniel Campbell brand it is Alan McLucas alright mate how's it going Merry Christmas everyone yeah how's, it, how's things Al alright just back from Kelvin Grove Park it's nice very busy cold Nah, I don't feel the cold. Lucky you. Like I worked in minus 30 for 10 years, so I don't really feel it. Oh, I feel absolutely bald. Where did you used to work? Siberia? 
<laughs> I used to work the freezers in the supermarkets in the co-op in Summerfield. So but they did lock you in. They did once, but they didn't realise there was a hand on side to open the door, so they got afraid and I opened it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to talk about the future of WWE more specifically as we go into 2021. Now, there's a lot, obviously with the pandemic this year, there's been a lot happening wrestling-wise. I mean, nine months ago, many people weren't sure if WrestleMania or any sort of wrestling were going to happen, but we pretty much had a full month, a full year, sorry, schedules. But there's been a lots of ups and a lots of downs in WWE. And uh, David, before we move on to talk about how they can improve this, the one major down that a lot of people kind of say is around WWE's flagship show Raw whose ratings mm. seem to have plummeted over the last year mm. and especially in the last three to four months specifically the quality of that particular product has dipped while as on a Friday night the opposite effect seems to be happening and Smackdown seems to be thriving mm-hmm. yeah it's a bit of a, a mixed bag to say the least I think their, their main event scenes are actually not too bad at this stage because, you know, as we've seen with Drew as WWE champion, he's done a fantastic job, you know, carrying the Raw brand. The problem is, is mainly the the undercard. I think, you know, there's not much going on, you know, elsewhere. They're, they're too focused on having their main champions headline their respective brands. And I think that's what's definitely held them back by quite a bit. Hmm. Uh, Alan, I mean, I mentioned, obviously, the Raw thing is the thing that stands out uh, a lot, but... Uh, Smackdown seems to be doing something right. What, what, what do you really think the difference is between those two shows? Uh, truthfully, I think it's a boon factor. Um, the fact that he's finally turned heel from the everyone's been wanting for years and years, and the fact he's got Paul Heyman be the voice for him, and the, the incredible storytelling, you know, the fact that the, the chemistry him and Jay have, I think it's been a huge factor. Um, also, until probably the draft, the New Day being there, was still a huge factor as well. Um, and also I think as well, just the main rivalries in general and the storytelling and all the aspects have been better. I mean, to put it in perspective, for me, Raw, it, there's only really two aspects, maybe three at the moment. You've got Drew as the champion who has been sensational, been as far as I'm concerned, the top guy in WWE right now. You've had the Hurt Business, who have been pretty consistent in carrying the mid-card the whole year. And really other than that, very recently, the fiend of Randy Orton. But other than that, Raw for me has been abysmal, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Gary, you mentioned before we came on air, uh, the length of Raw is probably something that really hurts. I mean, we're now coming up to about what nearly eight and a half years has now been since Raw is a free hour product, and it has felt that long. It's been a bit of a slog on this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's just it's a it's a long time and every indicator is human behavior is changing in such a way that your message and your programming has to be short and sharp and concise and um, there's programs that if, you know if you look at you know we're about to go into the new year cobra kai season three is about to come into netflix they're 20 odd minute episodes they're dead easy to watch folk can sit down and consume them in that and that we were not really attuned to sitting down on our sofas and watching something for three hours every week. I think it's in terms of the product is too long. And also 
there's not enough content to fill it because now if you go back to the actual era and yes I appreciate Raw was a two hour show then you very rarely got a match that stretched over multiple segments now it's pretty common in Raw to get a match that will go over three segments and you know when you see there's an ad that's going to go to a match that goes over an ad break you know there's nothing going to happen in the first part of it Mm-hmm. So you lose that excitement and that unpredictability of it. And also, I think when it comes to some of the shows, part of WWE's success is also part of his weakness here. If you miss watching a show live, it's really difficult to avoid spoilers. And then if you see spoilers for it, I don't know if it's, this might just be me, but I find it's really difficult to, to sit down and actually enjoy it in the same way, knowing what the outcome is going to be for certain so i think that's something uh, there but also just in terms of context Stephen raw has not been great recently but earlier on in the year to be fair to them the product was a lot better then and i don't know if there's anything to do with paul Heyman being the creative director then or if you know the guys touched on now because smackdown wasn't great at the start then but smackdown's now got some interesting storylines and um that keeps you captivated and and I, you know, I agree. I think Drew's been a wonderful champion. I don't think Drew's had very many wonderful programs, though. Nah, he's had some stinkers. He's had some great matches, but some stinking programming. The Randy yeah. Orton one, particular one, went two matches too long. I think it's fair to say. Uh, Scott Allen mentioned Roman. Now, mm-hmm. Roman, since he came back in August, has been like a breath of fresh air. The Roman Reigns character has been fantastic, and I think that's helped SmackDown. He's been supported as well by a lot of fantastic other characters on that show Sasha Banks in particular but one thing for Raw do you think that Raw I never thought I would say this this time last year has Raw missed the the star power of the likes of a Brock Lesnar or a Becky Lynch to anchor the show to help then build up all these guys from underneath them who Paul Heyman last year was very keen on pushing the likes of Ricochet Alistair Black they were allowed to kind of shine while they had these big names to kind of help boost the ratings I think so, because it's where some people may not want to admit it. People like Brock Lesnar do bring ratings in. You look at the start of the year, Brock was appearing on multiple rods in a row in the lead up to WrestleMania when he was up to his match with Ricochet and then on his match with Drew and really helping Drew get over. And Yeah, I do think obviously Becky at first seemed like this is going to be a massive thing for the division, like lip moves and her, but I think we've seen particularly Asuka really got an opportunity to step up as the head of the Raw Women's Division. And I think she can only do so much when you look at, like, other than Nia and Shayna, they've not had much else to help with that division, you know, hence why Lana suddenly got so much TV time, which we know we all wanted. And I do agree that Roman is part of the reason why Smaddon's doing so well, and it's surprising because, like, you go back to the start of the year, the first couple months of the year, we're kind of sick of Roman because every week uh, it was him and Baron Corbin doing something and that and a rivalry that just wouldn't end. And yet he does that time, goes away. He comes back and suddenly seems like the freshest thing on the show. I think, yeah, it's hard for people to like tune into WWE programming uh, on a weekly basis now in this current year. But I think, given the fact that Raw is pushing, has been pushing retribution and that bloody never-ending feud between Roman and Drew for so long, whereas SmackDown had something that was actually compelling with Roman and Jey Uso, I think the fact that one show was actually telling a more interesting story. I think gave people like, I'm going to pay my attention to that show and. <coughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Alan. The thing about WWE, one of the first, uh, one of the first Raws of 2021, is a show focused around the legends or the legends coming back. You know, it seems to be something that WWE Vince tend to do quite a lot. They like 
you think about it as a short-term fix by bringing back all the names from yesteryear. But in terms of this raw rating, I mean, the rating's obviously a big thing in the US in terms of bringing in your advertisers. But do you feel it's really a short-term a thing that can be fixed in the short term? Or do you think it's something they need to kind of build as kind of Heyman was trying to do in 2019 and they kind of just uh, gave up on it really quickly? Yeah, it's not going to work in the long term. Bringing back likes of Hulk Hogan or Sarge Slaughter, whoever it is they're going to bring back, it's not going to bring bring people back. I mean, they heard the rumour Carlito is coming back. If Carlito yeah. is fit enough to actually compete and is prepared to help our mid-card to get over, I don't know, for example, Miz, just top of my head, then that is interesting because it's going to help propel maybe the next person is going to try and push through um, but for me the whole Legends thing it only it's only going to work if you've got somebody who can actually compete and I don't mean cinematic can actually go 15 minute match on Raw and actually help somebody go over if they're not going to do it it's a waste of time because nobody can really be bothered saying Hulk Hogan mispronounced where he is talk nonsense and say brother every three seconds we're all kind of past that point now we want you know, if, if that's Carlito, I'm kind of intrigued about because i never really seen Carlito. I kind of stopped watching this when Carlito started to break through and came back and he left. So I don't know much about him, to be honest. So if he's actually good to go and he can help and some mid-carders go over, then I'm all for it. But I don't see WWE doing that because they, they're a, a one-hand, a, a smash grab with this Legends thing. And I can just see it falling on its backside, to be honest, what it's done. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, Stephen, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> it's, the, it's the undercard, uh, the outside the main event. I think that's where all falls short because actually one of the things they've, they, they've they've got to the advantage is time. There should be plenty of things for people to do in that show, but there's not, and they need some undercard. So one of the things that Raw is not short of is time. So there should be plenty of things for people to do. But outside of the main event picture, there's not, you know, when it comes to the titles, there's not a great deal in terms of other storylines going. There should be, you know, 10 or 12 different things going on at one time. There's not really, I mean, there's a couple of half-arsed, half-hearted things there. The, the, the never-ending Mia, Yim, um, Dana Brooke, Angle, Ricochet going to join Retribution. I mean, they're not exactly going to put butts in seats. So you need some other things to make more of this ensemble cast they've got. There needs to be other ways for people to contribute in this show and I think that's one of the bits where Raw in particular is lacking a wee bit and particularly when it's got three hours. Yeah. Mm. And Dave, what Gary pointed out earlier on, he mentioned the attitude there. The attitude there didn't really have long matches, but what the attitude there made up for in long matches was entertaining segments. Mm-hmm. At the present, yeah. WWE are trying these segments and they're maybe not getting the same luck. At a time where AWs came about on the Wednesday night and is doing good ratings for that show with a lot more wrestling. Mm. And SmackDown seems to be a lot more wrestling heavy as well. Do you think Raw should go and lead on to that one and utilise? I mean, some of the names Gary mentioned there, they've got the likes of Ricochet, Mustafa Ali, Keith mm. Lee, you know, Drew. Guys that can wrestle good quality matches I mean we've even seen good matches on bad Raws between Sheamus and Matt Riddle in time so should, yeah. that be, should Raw be leaning more onto that one because the talent's there yeah, it needs to be targeted more towards uh, an adult audience rather than just trying to appeal to kids and families all the time like you know there, there were stories about them you know moving back more towards adult 
content, uh, but not necessarily like outrageous or filthy stuff like they did in the Attitude Era, because I think that was more done for shock factor at a time, you know, shows like South Park and Family Guy were just coming on the air, you know, stuff that you could push the boundaries with really dark humor and get away with. You can't really do that in this day and age, but I think if long, I think if you deal with more like mature issues that I think an adult audience would relate with, that might be a, a step in the right direction for them. You know, you could have Ricochet, you know, having conflicting, uh, conflicting thoughts about joining Retribution. Uh, you could have, you know, the the friendship between Drew, Keith, and Sheamus, you know, take a bit of a turn. But one thing I would like to bring up as well, I think Gat, when Carlito was mentioned as being one of the names returning for the Legends Night, one name the other that also cropped up was Melina. And she was already being rumored to uh, possibly sign with NXT as a sort of comeback run. But I think that's been qualmed with the, you know, with the turn of like Mercedes Martinez and other names such. So I don't, I'm not sure, really sure what's going to happen with Melina now, but now that she's been advertised to return, maybe we could see something more on that front and she could give the much needed life to the women's division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Dave, uh, Scott, uh, Melina's a great example. I mean, during the height of the summer, Raw was, was the cornerstone of Raw was this whole Asuka, Bailey, Sasha thing. But mm-hmm. now that that's kind of been broken off about, we're seeing a kind of lack of uh, lack of anything in the SmackDown and the Raw uh, women's division. They think they need to start doing more with that to help build up. And Gary mentioned the undercard stuff as that as well. They need to both on Raw and SmackDown. This is just this, this point's not a Raw exclusive thing. Kind of build that kind of undercard because they're going to get to a point where they're not going to have any big matches other than potentially relying on a Becky Ronda match with the two of them or whatever return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think definitely that like you had Lana getting pushed you had Tony Vega got a very short program with Asuka and then obviously she got released shortly after that they've not had that many people that can go up against Asuka you know you've trapped uh, Nia and Shane in the tag team division where then the only person who can go up to them against them is Asuka and Charlotte so you've got your four best like title contenders uh, stuck in the tag team scene and you're probably going to have to rely on Charlotte as another challenger the title which a lot of people are getting sick of and weirdly we talk about WWE going overboard on the programs that go on for multiple months one of the few times that that didn't get old I think for me was Sasha and Bailey and their program going between all the shows collecting all the belts it was actually one of the more interesting parts of the the middle of the year when they were stuck in the, the PC because Ross Madden and NXT all suffered when they were like doing the shows from the PC uh, mm-hmm. I know we've talked to him a lot. You know, he's probably going to be the next Christmas special. But Carlito, you know, I'm excited to see what Carlito does because nobody was excited to see MVP come back at the Rumble, and he's been the best part of Raw this entire year. Carlito is the next MVP of 2021. You have you uh, heard it here first. Oh, for every um, for every Bailey Sasha feud in the Pete in the performance center, mm-hmm. there's uh, the Seth Rollins' ongoing obsession with the Mysterio family. <laughs> the Sasha and Bailey story is it was a it was this overarching story, but with different chapters and nuance along the way to keep it interesting, and that's how you know really good long term story arcs are, are built. And it was interesting as opposed to the the Mysterio's one, uh, which was just not not particularly interesting. <laughs> we see before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got to early 2020 we were like desperate for the Sasha Bailey feud and then as soon as they like had that second go of the tag team titles 
Whereas I'm like, no, keep them together for ages. Like, I don't care when I get this match. I just want to keep them together. So they want they made you like wait for the breakup for three years, but when it happened, you were still investing in it because mm. they're working together in deals. I mean. I mean, it's almost, like pressed, it's almost like they pressed the reset button with Sasha and Bailey with the, the tag team title run, and they were so entertaining as a heel tag team as well. Like there were much more, much more potential and more direction for them rather than when they were a face team. I mean, a big thing going into 2021. I mean, obviously, I've mentioned this kind of undercard talent, and there has been uh, Gary some examples. I mean, there has been some talent who have been when they given the opportunity, they have been able to shine. We did mention. Uh, Sasha Banks. I mean, Sasha Banks, she's one of the best. Uh, going into this year, we all knew how good she was, but coming out of 2020, going into 2021, Sasha Banks is arguably probably currently the third biggest star on the roster behind uh, Roman and Drew, which is something. Absolutely. I mean, the, there's a really good list of people that have have really taken their opportunity and run with it. Sasha, one of them, Bailey, rightly so, uh, right up there as well. Fantastic. Probably best period of Bailey's career. And um, one of the guys mentioned about Roman Jr. So, I mean, who'd have thought that he would be one of the hottest stars coming out of 2020 just now? Uh, the Hurt Business, I think, are phenomenal. I love, love their group package and so on. The Monday Night Messiah gimmick, I think Seth was fantastic in that, in Seth that is role. Back on the, he's due back on Friday on the 1st of January. Yeah. So, and on. also, the relaunch of Asuka. And you know, Asuka feels like a force again. I think they're all things that I would stick down on the, this uh, sort of credit column. The Street Profits, I think, continue to do well. Who would have thought that uh, Danny Burchard and Only Larkin would have found themselves in the main event of a takeover? I certainly would have lost money on that one. So I think in this mm-hmm. period, there's a whole load of talent that deserve huge credit. There are some people that have absolutely shone in this period, you know, where they've not actually had the crowds and not had to worry about the interactions and so uh, that one might get and there are some people that you know are good at that and i do worry about the ones that haven't yet f- finessed how they work with an actual live audience because mm-hmm. you know that is a big part of big part of the product and they're desperate to get those days back but there are some of them when you think back like sonia deville and uh, mandy rose uh, I'm not so sure that the sonia deville promo works the same way with a live crowd i'm not sure that she would have had the confidence oh, to deliver it. Uh, uh, Alan, Gary mentioned a lot of these names who thrive with the chance, but we had a lot of missed opportunities for guys who could have been massive stars going into next year. One name in particular, Otis, could be massive at the start of the year. Now he looks to be floundering a wee bit. Yeah, I mean, Otis had that momentum, especially after Mania when him and Mandy got together. And, you know, it was going really, really well, and then wins one in the bank. You think, okay, next world champion, here we go, and then he loses it to Miz months later, and he's just kind of became a job on it. And it's it's a shame because he is very, very charismatic. Fans do like him; they love it. Um, he's not the only one to feel. I mean, I think the biggest travesty of twenty twenty when they could talk about, you know, people are being filled with the WWE is Alistair Black. Because apparently, you know, back at the Rumble, it was a 50 50 coin cost between him and Drew, who was going to win it. So you're talking about a guy who potentially was going to main event WrestleMania to now can't go on telly at all um, and isn't allowed to go back to NXT. And they've got rid of his wife for speaking her mind and wanting to have her own self interest out with the company. So it's, it's 
been a really bad year for a lot of people, but the other two for me that really do stick out, um, it's been quite sad because I, I genuinely believe Blank was going to be world or universal champion by the end of this year. For me to be the perfect guy to go for through, not Randy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Scott Alistair Black, he says definitely one up there is a massive missed, uh, missed opportunity. I mean, Gary also talked about the Sonia Mandy Rose stuff. I mean, Mandy Rose could have come out of that SummerSlam feud looking absolutely a million bucks, but she's been lamped into a tag team with uh, everyone's favourite underused uh, female wrestler, Dana Brooke. You know, surely if they were going to put it's her. Her. <laughs> surely. If they put her into something straight after SummerSlam, she could have came into 2021 as a massive contender, but instead she's kind of floundering in that tag team division. Yeah, the thing with Alistair Black is, yeah, I think it was to do with he was a favourite of Paul Heyman's, and then also when Paul Heyman's not in the creative position that he was in, that kind of hurt him. And then he was put as Rey Mysterio's pal. So he was getting up, beaten up by Murphy and Rollins on a weekly basis. And then we heard the stories of him apparently requesting to go back to NXT, and then that was denied. So, obviously, it's been a bad year for him. And also, his wife getting released is probably harsh year. And also, we don't, I don't think I've seen him on TV since. So, I think there's a chance yeah. we might hear about him getting released as well. Him wanting to, to leave the company. In regards to Mandy and like Otis, I mentioned on, on Saturday Night Live that the fact that a lot of people are more people are talking about the fact that Keith Lee is on the list of people getting sent to BC more so than people are talking about Otis, the guy who was mining the bank six months ago. I think shows why how much of a flop Otis's singles push has been because he had that moment at WrestleMania where I think if he had fans there that would have got a massive like reaction. It would have been like Brandy oh, and like Elizabeth get back together at me. Some people probably would have been crying in the crowd. And then the stuff with Sonya, like yeah, they rushed into the loser leaves situation because Sonya had to take time away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that match I think was very underwhelming. Uh something like it was like the first of three gimmick matches on the one card. So they're limited on what they could do, and then Mandy's whole thing was being with Otis, and that's why part of the reason why Sonya kind of betrayed her. And then she gets moved away from Otis to Raw, which made no sense. And then yeah, her and Dana could have done something in the women's tag division, but we've seen just clearly WWE doesn't care about the women's tag division. Yeah, and like, I think a one-month program her and Asuka are trying to prove something because one of her first major opportunities is against Asuka for the SmackDown belt. So are trying to show that she's developed over the years since that last opportunity would have been a good shout but yeah it's, it's weird like she went from having all the momentum in the world but her I noticed had all the momentum in the world at Wrestlemania and now they're just they're a non-entity basically mm-hmm. I mean Carrie another name Ricochet you look at Ricochet I mean he technically got a title match at the last Saudi Arabia show I say technically because he could just get through about the place uh, yeah. by Brock Lesnar and he was another guy brought, uh, Paul Heyman was apparently really high on him Apollo Crews you know he had the United States title at one point he had a, a decent reign with that one but now he's pretty much a guy who comes out for Big E celebrations from Smackdown uh, Andrade Angel Garza these are all names we're apparently high on and we've seen bugger all of them in the latter half of the year I mean, there's the one, one name that you mentioned first there, just to pick out, uh, the Ricochet one surprises me because if you were to think, about, you know, design a WWE superstar, pull up the characteristics and traits you want, I mean, Ricochet, you know, he, he, he can do amazing things. He's a really great worker. He looks phenomenal. 
Um, he, he could be better on the mic. I'm sure he, you know he could work on that. But he, he you know he has so many so many talents and not to utilise him. They gave I think a couple of weeks ago Jeff Hardy and Ricochet on main event. I mean, that just seems like uh, a waste there. So I think he is somebody that, um, you know, upper mid-card, definitely. And we've seen Brock Lesnar have cracking match with Rey Mysterio at Survivor Series, so we know Brock could have put on a show with Ricochet. Uh, why you you go to that effort, taking them, you know, halfway around the world to put on a squash match, that makes no sense to me. I, I certainly not how I would book it. I thought it was interesting, I was going to pick up on something that Scott was touching on there, Stephen, was the Otis angle. Um, one part that made no sense about it is how Miz suddenly had the power to tra- trade people from one show to the other. Miz seems um, to have a lot of power, for some reason. Uh, on he's, got, he's got pictures of somebody, no doubt about it. Um, you notice Alan never says anything bad about the Miz. I'm sure he must have some photos of Alan. But with Otis... Um, Otis got this. <laughs> He's that one subscriber you have, is he? I've got a million subscribers, mate. Tutti footies. <laughs> on, on Otis, he found himself in this position without actually having very many singles matches. Uh, I think he's had like less than a dozen singles matches uh, this year. So maybe it was this idea of, you know, the reality of it was different. Well, the perception of it was different to the reality when we see him work that actually maybe he's not got it cut out without the full you know package and gimmick and there's nothing wrong with being a tag team wrestler but i think i would make a difference draw a difference between otis versus some of the others we've seen where otis's storyline and run was abandoned but that must be because of something they seen and the, the way they felt it was connecting and where it was going versus uh alistair black which never really got going a Lars sullivan that appeared for what three weeks, then disappeared again. Oh, I, I, Tinto, remember him, uh, and even Retribution, where uh, clearly they were making that up as they went along, and it's been you know turned into this huge flounder. So I think there's some stories which have been get up and going and then abandoned, and there's others that have just never really got started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Dave, the Retribution point's a good way to go. Uh, the next point I was going to make, uh, we know about you. I talked to you as the massive NXT fan that you are. Uh, mm-hmm. This year's been a great example of if WWE's got this third brand NXT, if they're going to put them on Raw and SmackDown, they need to actually have a plan on how they're going to do it going into 2021. Mm-hmm. We saw that this year. Retribution, Keith Lee, uh, in, in some sort of way. I will even chuck in the Forgotten Sons, remember them. Mm-hmm. Uh, who suddenly got called, got called up in one episode of SmackDown. Obviously, get broke up because Jackson Riker's an idiot, and then <laughs> now two of them are Barry Corbin's heavies. Guff roll mm-hmm. ever get, get put into, and the other ones the roadie for Elias. You know, if they're gonna, there's always rumours of them bringing guys up from NXT. NXT, you know, mm-hmm. undisputed era is one of the ones that you worry about going up to the main roster. Uh, if the time comes, somebody comes up. They've got to do a bit. Austin Theory's another great example as well, but I think he mm-hmm. and he's had issues backstage, so I don't really want to comment too much about him. But mm-hmm. you know, they need to do better if they're going to call them up as opposed to just going, "Let's pick him, and put him there." Yeah, it's the the curse of being called up to the Raw and SmackDown. Unfortunately, I'm not going to refer to it as the main roster anymore because it's uh, you could call it the prime time rosters because they're the ones with the big uh, 
network deals now. But um, yeah, this has always been a, a really bad habit of, you know, Raw and SmackDown recruiting talent from NXT because it, it's almost like they catch whiff of a of a fast rising star in NXT. And some people still refer to it as their developmental brand, but nah, I still think it's head and shoulders above Raw and SmackDown's uh, regular weekly programming. The, the problem is NXT is meant to be that substitute for, you know, fans who are not really too keen on the mainstream Raw and SmackDown products. They would rather just see, you know, straight up wrestling and storylines, maybe not as much in the way of character development, but that's not to say NXT doesn't have character development because it, it does in terms of faction warfare, building a strong women's division. It has all the tools needed to be one of the biggest promotions in the wrestling industry. It's just when WWE decides, right, well, we've got money. We could uh, buy up their contract, put them on Raw and SmackDown, and we'll have them on our, on our show. doesn't mean they'll, they'll know what to do with them. So I think that actually has hampered a lot of talent in some ways, like with the likes of Keith Lee's one example. You know, there were reports, uh, you know, early on from his Raw debut that he was going to get, much like Cameron Grimes would say, he was going to get pushed to the moon. Uh, but he's, he's been a bit stopped start. <laughs> Mm. Uh, on the, the note of NXT, Scott, um, there's a lot of comments being made about NXT from various uh, wrestling fans, media, mm -hmm. about how 2020 was not the best year for NXT. It kind of felt uh, like it was in second gear type idea that wasn't really moving to the levels that it had before it was on USA and competing with AEW uh, on a weekly basis. But there is still, when you watch the takeovers, when you watch certain... Uh, episodes of the show. The one last week in particular was a very good addition of NXT. They've got the capabilities there. What can they kind of do to kind of help invigorate the spark that they kind of had around about 18 months ago? Uh, before I mention that, don't be the call. I still mean to, I think the Keith Lee one's still early, too early to tell whether or not he's... Yeah, I think so too. Call it, like, people thought, oh, they covered him up because he's a big lad. Like, the, 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 the thing he wears is like this thin. Like, if you can't tell how big Keith Lee is, with that on, it's your eyes that are the problem, not his booking. And like, I think you need to wait between like Rumble Mania season with the plans, the rumours of him being involved in that triple threat, and then I think we can see where WWE like fits with him. With NXT, yeah, I mean, they started off great. That Takeover Portland in February, where Dragicovic before he was ruined with Retribution had a great match with Keith Lee uh, for the North American title. He had a great card there, and yeah, I think the fact that they were in the PC, the lack of crowd at first, and then putting PC trainees in there, like. A big thing about NXT is the atmosphere of the hardcore fans usually would, would fit back mm -hmm. in a field sale. I think they tried some decent ideas, you know, you had the Great American Bash come back, you had like the fight pit match. You have some interesting ideas, like some people have been pushed. I think, yeah, like the fact that it's always competing against uh, AEW, the fact that AEW does often win in the ratings, and some fans do see it as unfair because it loses often the ratings. But like, you look at it like, oh, NXT's ground, look at what it did this year, look at the ratings compared to AEW. Like, you gotta ask that people like, but did you wa actually watch NXT? Because like, yeah, more people may have watched it. Doesn't mean the like, people were more entertained. They could have then watched NXT and thought, oh, I should have watched this first. You need to take both shows as they are. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact they've moved to the Capital Wrestling Center and they've done the rebrand and that's gonna help NXT going forward because you've got actually have more of an atmosphere than you did earlier in the year. And mm -hmm. also the fact that they've been ha NXT in particular has been hampered by injuries, which also hasn't helped it with Cross and uh, Ben Balor earlier this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Gary, one of my things with NXT the first half of the year is I think what we've known from the past with NXT is they've had they've developed their guys into stars and then they've moved up to the main roster 
and this year we kind of, especially the kind of first half that we saw the likes of Gargano, Champa, you know, even Bala, for example, they were on NXT. They were still the main guys, but you weren't really feeling like they'd been any different from what they were previously, and we were kind of struggling to see the other guys shine. But I think what we've seen more in the second half of the year is guys are starting to shine through and eventually kind of move up. We kind of see Kyle O'Reilly, for example, yeah. fantastic talent, always has been. He's got his second title shot in a number of months. Damian Priest has been right up there for the last few months. Even the likes of Dexter Loomis, uh, Cameron Grimes, heck, even guys you mentioned, Burke and, uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch have kind of pushed up into their one. Uh, and the kind of established names from the past as well. Champa's kind of doing something different with Timothy Thatcher. Johnny Gargano's probably the best he's ever been, I think, with this whole the way gimmick. You know, there's pl- they're, they're kind of using the the, ta- the old, the more experienced talent in different ways, while as using it to get a give a platform for the other guys more. I think that's right. I think I think this year's probably a bit of a transition year for, for NXT, some of it for obvious reasons and others uh, unavoidable. When you look at the presentation of the product now versus the start of the year, you've now you've got full sale with crowds to um Capital Reference Centre with no crowd or uh, you've got a different commentary team there. Uh, the product in terms of just again how it looks and feels on TV, it's it's a lot darker in terms of the the lighting of it and so on there. So it does look and feel very different now. Um, I miss Maro Ronaro from I loved I loved him and Nigel McGuinness together. I miss them from also. I think it, it feels like a very different product now. You're right about the conveyor belt, Stephen. They had a wee period where there were a few. You know, glitches along the way there, you know, the injuries and so on. I'd like to see where Karrion Cross would have got went to with him being the champion there. I'm, you know, they've probably had to live with uh, with the main roster needing uh, beefing up. So they've picked up some of the NXT stars that they maybe had plans for, such as Keith Lee. I'm not sure that that was the original intention because otherwise, why would you have put the NXT title on them to take it off only a month later? There, there's a couple of other things that have done different this year, like Takeover now being decoupled from the big, mm-hmm. big uh, wrestling weekends. I, I kind of miss that. Um, I I preferred Takeover on the Saturday night. nights next I to Sunday. I I hate Sunday. I love that two and a half hours show on the Saturday night just before one of the big four pay per views. I love that to change back. But just to go back, to circle back into the earlier point that some of the guys were touching on there, the idea of this developmental brand initially is people would hone their craft here and develop their characters and then you'd pick them up and you could drop them straight on the the main roster and they would be ready to go. They need to stop changing their gimmicks and what they're doing. And examples that, you know, somebody mentioned Keith Lee's attire if you're going to change how he looks change how he looks on nxt experiment it with him there and then when he comes on to raw he's ready to go uh the aop with paul ellering if you're going to get rid of him the tag team's manager get rid of him before you call him up and then if you're going to call him up have a plan with what you're going to do with them stop having folk just turn up matt riddle not really done much of note since he appeared on the roster bianca belair came up after Mania, didn't she? 
hasn't done much until fairly recently when she got traded to SmackDown. The Forgotten Sons just turned up. Keith Lee just got announced he was turning. Make these call-ups feel like a thing again. They used to be a big, it used to be a big deal, and generally the Raw after Mania, which is going to be a topic which we're going to delve into in the not too distant future. That was a, you know, make these. If they could do something in 2021, I would, I would plead to them, you know, change your take, put takeovers back on the Saturdays. Um, if you're going to change people's uh, presentation, change them on NXT. See how it works. And for God's sake, if you're going to call people up, have a plan for them. Mm. Uh, mm. Alan, counter-programming debate either side aside, no point getting into it. Uh, some people say that NXT, sometimes they book it like they know they're under pressure and they know they're against this kind of dynamite uh, every week. I know they were the one, the, the big debate, they were the ones on Wednesday nights first, I know. I've, I've, I've done the debate many times. But the couple of weeks that they kind of ran on Tuesdays because of the other the, the clashes, they kind of felt like that it was booked with less pressure and they just kind of ran with it. Could they benefit next year from a potential switch to a Tuesday or even a Thursday night just to kind of let them run with it and let them do what do, we know they can do very well and that is be a top quality wrestling show? Absolutely. I mean, look, my opinion is... AEW is wiped the floor with WWE this year and everything. I think Dynamite's the best wrestling product out. I agree with David and Scott. NXT is the best that WWE's got. And I felt this year, especially with the injury crisis in about the summer, NXT seemed very thin and bare. And, you know, it was good to see some of the guys like Dexter Loomis, um, Damien Priest, step up and, take, and start to take on the mantle and try and run with it. I still feel that NXT is quite bare. I don't feel they have enough talent there to put a major challenge, and I don't think it will be considered as a major challenge or one of the main shows until they have that depth. Um, but I do think for the, the sake of it and the quality of it, it does need to move, because I do agree, it does feel pressurised. I mean, <laughs> put it in perspective, they put their four best superstars on one match with you know Cole, Gargano, um, Champa. And Balor, and it still couldn't come near AEW. And AEW didn't really have anything that major on that that week. Um, so I feel by moving it to another night, it will definitely help it. I can understand why WWE have kept it there because it's kind of every two nights you've got your standard shows. But it needs it needs to move. I think to have that breathing space to make the bookings better, to and then potentially bring in a bit more talent as well. And I agree with Gary, it's a complete transitional year because it is missing a lot. I feel, I feel it's missing a lot of passion and what be the edgy and exciting. And it's just kind of, it feels kind of defeated a wee bit. But I mean, every point everybody said, I totally agree with you know, the recent plans. Um, I do feel like Keith Lee went up far too soon. Dijkovic should have been a main event on NXT and should have had that chance, but he's been wasted in retribution. So I do hope that it does move to a Tuesday or a Thursday to have this opportunity of developing and growing this, these stars and for God's sake if you're not going to use Black and Raw for example bring them back because he was absolutely yeah. shit hot he was shit hot in um, NXT bring them back somebody like that coming back in the NXT picture would be enough if you're going to keep them on a Wednesday to swing the ratings at it um, I, think took them, I think it's took them till this point to kind of get the whole 
broad roster feel with the two hour kind of thing. I mean, when they first ran two hours, as you said, Alan, maybe even in the summer, it felt quite thin on the ground in terms of that. But they've got a lot of other layers going on now. I mean, Timothy Thatcher and Champ is a, is a good feud for where it is. The Zaya Lee Boa stuff is creepy as hell looking. But you're quite intrigued at what's going on with it. You know, you kind of see that one. There's lots of layers as well to that women's division, which the main roster doesn't have. I mean, look at it. We had um, Raquel Gonzalez. She, she, Raquel Gonzalez pins EO at War Games, and you think she's going straight into it, but instead she goes into the feud to be Rhea. Meanwhile, Tony Storm pops in. Now they've got Mercedes Martinez all interacting in there. There's different varieties to that as well. So you kind of feel there's loads of things maybe going on that are maybe better suited. To the two, to that two ever uh, prospect now than they were then. I mean, I mean, speaking of NXT and the main roster guys, I mean, going into 2021, we've obviously mentioned some of the stuff last year that's not well, but we're going into the Rumble season, we're going to WrestleMania season. There's loads of big things that could happen. There's loads of superstars who could break out in the next couple of months and have a fantastic year. So I thought at this point in the show, I'd actually go around you all and ask um, who in particular you think could stand out in 2021, be it on Raw, SmackDown, or an NXT. Or NXT UK for that matter, which is on the TV. But again, uh, Dave, I'll come to you. Who do you think could have a standout year next year? Keith Lee. Like I think you know that these last few months of him on Raw, you know, he's he's still sort of testing the water a bit, but he's had some really big breakout moments. He beats Randy Orton clean on Payback. He wins as part of the men's Survivor Series team on Raw, which was a clean sweep win, by the way. And he's already embroiled in a huge uh, potentially WWE title program with Drew and Sheamus. Uh, and there's also big talks that he's a, a big favourite to win the Royal Rumble as well. So I think 2021 is going to be the year that Keith Lee finally gets his, his breakout moment. Mm, Scott, who do you think could have a, a standout year from any of those ones? Uh, I think with regards to people from NXT, I think, I think Karrion Cross. I think they're going to want to like, pick up right where they left off with him. Like, have him go through uh, David Priest to make sure that he's healthy again. And because he's came back in like John Cena levels of quickness from injury, mm-hmm. and then have the feud with Balor. Balor, I think, can have a great match with him. And then you'll probably be the, the final boss of NXT for 2021. I think it was a good role for him. And I think they'll probably, as soon as he drops the bell, much like Keith Lee, he'll be one of the ones that's immediately the very next Raw. He's up on the main roster. And I think he could be what Alistair Black probably should have been on the main roster if they book him properly with Scarlett with him. Mm hmm. Uh, Gary, who do you think could have a standout you're going into 2021? I've got a couple of names which is probably more, I say some of them more in hope than expectation, Stephen. I, mm-hmm. I think it's scandalous that, um, that Cesaro hasn't had a proper singles run, uh, certainly not in a long time as well. I think Matt Riddle's uh, underutilised. I think Shayna is underutilised as well, and um, you know, someday clearly they planned a, a longer program with uh, Shayna and Becky. Becky, look forward to her return. I actually think she needed a wee break. Uh, I wouldn't have chosen to have her off TV for a year, mind you. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, sometimes you know, how can how can we miss you if you never go away? As the saying goes. Um, I also think that AJ Styles should be in line for another run with the title as well. So there are a couple of names I would throw a, throw, throw a, around. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, is there any other names from there that you would f- throw into the mix? Yeah, I agree with everyone that's, that's been mentioned. I think Damien Priest 
um, he really took up the mantle and became one of the, the, the guys on NXT. Um, I think Ayo Shirai as well as Rhea. I've got a real good goal. Um, I'm just, I think Jay is going to continue with Big E uh, on SmackDown and on Raw. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. I think Bobby Lashley's a good. You look at Bobby Lashley at this point last year; he was stuck in that absolute guff with uh, Lana mm-hmm. and Rusev, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's came out of it. The heart business has just turned everything around for not just him, but Shelton and Cedric as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been. I mean, there's. You mentioned just a couple of names, there, but obviously, the best, the good thing about a future of WWE show, going into, we don't really we going into the next couple of months is we can kind of look into the, you know, into our time machine type idea and try and figure out with a Rumble and WrestleMania where that could kind of have the lay of WWE. I mean. Scott, one of the things Dave mentioned, Dave mentions Keith Lee there, and mm-hmm. Keith Lee's a massive uh, favourite to win the Royal Rumble, but where could, uh, if they're going to make Keith Lee a star, that potentially, what do you think the best way could be to kind of utilise him going into the Mania season, and what would probably be a match with Drew? I think if you're going to utilise uh, Keith Lee, at least have him in the mix with other potential like favourites, because like, he's looked at where Drew was this time last year, he was randomly having matches on Raw with with Randy and AJ so they're keeping him in the mix and I think some people were still surprised that he won uh, the Rumble but I think at least have do, don't do what they did with Drew because Drew for the first month or so after the Rumble was doing nothing but random signs with MVP before MVP was saving people's careers because like mm-hmm. Rob was saving up for his match with Ricochet and Drew was doing nothing have something for your guy who's won the Rumble in the months in between Rumble and May before you probably start the build because like You've got guys with uh, guys like Nakamura in the past who basically did nothing for a few weeks after they've run the Rumble. It's like, have them as a prominent feature on the show, and I think if they're doing the triple threat, he's the one who should win the Rumble because you're going to include Brock in it. Brock can just come back and basically say, like, I'm in this match because I'm Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. As he did to great utilisation last year. Uh Gary, in terms of the Rumble, obviously this is the kind of we will start. We're obviously speculating now. And Keith Lee, I started with Keith Lee because he's the name everybody's kind of threw out there. That was when all that rumors came out about me sent to the PC. People were like, "Oh, there was there no rumor to win the Rumble last uh, last month?" Is there any names that you could see at this particular point that could go on to be that Rumble winner? I Meaning the men's one in particular. For for the men's Rumble, Stephen, pre- uh, previously I would have said um, the Fiend. Bray Wyatt would have been a shit for it, but since he's been burnt alive, I'm, I'm a wee bit less certain on his chances of being able to make the Rumble. And one of the things I love about Rumbles is actually when you go into it and the winner's not obvious and it's not predictable, there's a few people that could be in the run running for it, which is why I think last year's Rumble, or this year's Rumble, sorry, the 2020 Rumble, uh, stands stands up there because uh, there were a few few bits of uncertainty, so I like that. So so I'll, I'm intrigued to see where we go with the fiend as he come back, and maybe a less um, you know more you know if he's going to turn into a face here, um, is he a wee bit less scary? Which I struggle to see how being burnt alive would make you less scary, but. We'll see, I thought him and Alexa Bliss might have been a good shout for, I wonder what odds you would get for a double for the two of them to win their respective Rumbles. I 
personally think it's too early for Keith Lee. I think um, a run with the US title first would be a better course of action for, for Keith Lee because he has been prominently uh, since he's been on on Raw, but he's not really had any like feuds of note. You know, he's been there. He, he had that sort of two week thing with uh, with Braun Strowman. So all I can think of. So I'd like to see him have some programs and some stories that take us through a period of time and start positioning him more in that position. So. Uh, I think the guy saying Bobby Lashley is quite an interesting one. Again, I think he's maybe a wee bit too early for it, but certainly the rehabilitation of Bobby Lashley with him being aligned with MVP um, should give hope to every wrestler in, in the, the the future that gets saddled with a with a bad gimmick or a bad angle. Because Bobby Lashley did quite a few of them. Does anybody remember Lashley's sisters? Oh, so 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 bad. I raised that so, from my memory. So bad. Uh, 104 to 1 is your odds on a Bray Wyatt Alexa Bliss double, Gary. Well, that may be worth a fiver on that. <laughs> Could be. You never, might get a decent return on that one. Uh, Dave, mm-hmm. are you going to give me a point now? Say what? I mean, you know what? Fiver on 141, a 525 quid potential return. I think it's worth the bet. Mm-hmm. You can see uh, birthday present on that. Look at Alexa though. I wouldn't be surprised if she did win the rumble because like that and an XT title a women's title run, I think is all that she's got left that she hasn't accomplished because you remember we talked about it on the Alexa Bliss show about how much she's done in a short amount of time, Raw, SmackDown, Money in the Bank, uh, winner and then she's been a two time like women's tag champ, so Especially in this new persona, I think she'd be an interested opponent if she wanted to go on and challenge Asuka at Mania. Hmm. I, think, I, mean, I think she's one of only four credible women to win the Rumble. I know the other ones that are credible is Bailey, I think yeah. Nikki, Nikki Cross, or Shayna. Now, see the two favourites according to the two favourites according to what I'm, the app I'm looking at here is uh, it's a joint favourites of Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. Mm. Yeah, Alan, you get you get twenty five to one on Nikki Cross. I bet you would. I bet you would. Nikki Cross is not uh, not in any position to be winning the Royal Rumble, and there's so many people that are miles ahead of her at this stage. I don't know. Stephanie's McMahon's very big on her. And so Shane, like, she's really well thought of backstage. And I don't know. I mean, let's be honest, this time last year, would any of us really said true? I, 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 I think we're optimistic, but I think the rumours were that Roman was going to win. And Roman was the one. Ever they fought Roman. I fought Roman. Mm-hmm. So but, I wouldn't say don't knock her. I think with Rhea, you said there, that intrigues me because, like, you got Charlotte back. And I think everybody can see that Charlotte team with Asuka is inevitably going to Asuka versus Charlotte feud. I think if you had Rhea come back, win the Rumble, Charlotte wins the Raw belt, and Rhea kind of gets her redemption from last year when she lost the NXT belt to Charlotte, which a lot of people said that they kind of started a bit of a downward spiral for her, which it did for a couple of months. Yeah. I think if the time Rhea comes back, she moves up to the mirror because I think she's getting too big for NXT now, and she wins the, the Raw Women's title. That's, that's making a new star right there. I mean... I mean, Ga- Gary talked about uh, Cesaro. I wouldn't be too hopeful on Cesaro, Gary, because his rumble odds are the same as Austin Theory 
Dolph Ziggler and Kane. <laughs> Come on, Kane. There's still a chance. <laughs> so, I wouldn't be too confident on that particular one. Uh, 150 to 1 on Tajiri. <laughs> I mean, he, he's like what? He must be nearly 50 now, Tajiri. He's like 48, 49, something like that. Last I checked, because she's oh. But you know, I, I mean, if you the prize return, you know, you know, it wouldn't rule out at all. Besides, I think MVP is like 46 as well, so I suppose age doesn't really matter. I know See what website you use, man. I want Skybet. Oh, go Willie Hill, man. Go Willie Hill. They don't have no wrestling stuff on it, so Skyvet's always quite consistent for it. I mean, I've chucked out a bunch of names, Rumble-wise. Is there any other ones that you uh, would like to throw in there, into the mix? Well, if, if Sasha were to lose the SmackDown Women's title uh, before Royal Rumble, I think she's in with a shout as well. Because there's been this talk of, you know, maybe having her versus Bailey again at Mania. But at the moment, I think it's either going to be Bailey, Bianca, or Rhea. Mm. Alan, did you have a couple? Yeah, um, I think when it comes to the men, I can't see being anyone on a SmackDown superstar. I don't see them uh, going raw again. So I wouldn't be surprised if you're talking between Jey Uso, Big E, or Dark Pick, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is due something like he needs a big moment. You know, last year he finally got his WrestleMania moment. He's earned the right to have a bigger moment. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Owens is in the final four. I wouldn't be opposed to any of the three. I think Jey Uso is a bold one, but given how he's performed since Roman came back, he's shown himself to be a bit more than just a tag team wrestler. Uh, Big E's one. I'd throw Daniel Bryan in there too. I think Daniel Bryan's yeah. a, is, is, is... I don't think Big E was the biggest shout from SmackDown. I think Daniel Bryan probably is now over him. Kevin Owens would be a be a big dark horse pick given how well he's uh, he's performed in the last couple of matches this year uh, you know he could very much be a dark horse for you know finally getting his massive like redemption arc in 2021 in, ter- in terms of the women's side I can't see that being other than a Smackdown because I think Asuka Charlotte's the Raw match uh, Bianca or Bailey. Uh, who did Sorry, man. I was talking and then something was fine with the screen, but uh, I think like, you thought about SmackDown, uh, Biggie or Brian are the two most like. Then uh, what they do if Biggie won it, like, given if he is, now I see, give you an idea that he either lose the title, maybe Jey Uso wins the belt from by nefarious means, like how Orlando Jordan took the US belt. From Cena lead up to May 21, or maybe they'll do Universal title, the IC title uh, match, like double gold. But I need to see, like, if like, say a SmackDown guy wins it, how do they determine the Raw guy for Mania? Because I don't know if they can do an elimination chamber in the Thunderdome. <laughs> That'd be interesting to kind of see that. I mean, moving <laughs> away from. They did War Games in Capital Wrestling Center, I think, you know, maybe give them benefit of the doubt. In the rumor, Father, yeah. there's uh, the pay per view in February is going to be Armageddon. So that would uh, suggest that the Elimination Chamber either isn't going to happen or going to happen later in the year. <laughs> Six man hell in a cell. That's <laughs> what I was thinking, actually. Well, we've already had the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I think they'd be oversaturating it a bit now. Yeah, but that's the can't, That's a thing they need to stop doing next year. Stop with these kind of pay-per-views based on a match. 
other than Money yeah. in the Bank. Money in the Bank I get away with. Even then, Money yeah. in the Bank's been crap in recent years. They need to make that better next year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this now. I didn't think I would say this well, next, last year when they brought them back together. Well, Money in the Bank was I good am... this year up until they got to the roof. Well, the match was good. They just did bugger all with the actual briefcase. I've got to say this because I, uh, I am sick fed up of Miz and Morrison. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. They're so bad. <laughs> they just need to get rid of them. Uh, they two more a feud. They two, Miz and Morrison, a, a decent mid-card feud could be really, really interesting. Well, that's the thing because obviously past the Rumble we've got WrestleMania and we've kind of speculated, we've heard rumours of matches. It's always the kind of thing we kind of hear about. Uh, Gary, I'll go to you on this one. I mean, in terms of WrestleMania matches, uh, what ones would you like to see going into next year? Oh, it's hard to answer this question, but you know, without knowing what we know in terms of the rumored matches, because it does look like there's going to be Edge and Orton three. Which you know, if you'd have said to me a year ago that I'd be looking at this match going, like, oh, not again," because that's kind of like how I feel about how I feel about it. I think for me, Sasha and Bailey at WrestleMania, they may, you know, you talk about a match that absolutely deserves that spotlight. And I hope that, I hope that Mania is able to be more of a spectacle that we've become accustomed to. I think the two of them and their story and their work deserves that spot. So Sasha versus Bailey for me, Stephen. Scott, is there any other ones you would chuck into the Mania mix? Well, I'm interested about the, the Orton's Edge thing because like I think their feud was one of the few that I was helped by the lack of fan because they were only like you properly listened to the to the promos and the build that they were doing for it. But the fact that like, those initial like plans that were tweeted out about didn't involve the women's matches, I'm interested to see what's gonna happen there. Like I'd be interested to see Sasha Bailey again because like I think a lot of people wanted to see at me that seemed like the rightful place for it. But it would be weird what if they had a stipulation to it because it's weird you can't go from hell in a cell to a regular match, <laughs> even if it is at WrestleMania. So way they could probably do it, but yeah, I can kind of see what you mean. The big match feel with hell in a cell, and then yeah, just a say it's like goes a bit of a weird one. Uh, Dave, what do you think we'll see? One that I actually saw that was a bit left field, I was interested in what they're going to do with AJ Styles come WrestleMania, and he, I think he said in interviews lately that he would like to face either Edge or Triple H. Now, I think an AJ Styles versus Triple H match would... I, I actually never realized that I would actually be keen on it until it was said out loud, because Triple H, I think this is the first time since like the late 90s where he's gone a full year without wrestling one match. First time in his full WWE career. Oh, yep. 95. Yep. So, um, but yeah, I think an AJ Triple H match, you know, AJ could, you know, come out with some, uh, some programmer is like, I'm being held, I'm being held down, I'm, all these corporate shenanigans are holding me back. And then that would potentially lead to a match with Triple H. So I know it sounds a bit left field, but you know what? I wouldn't say no to it. Alan, what have you got? What are you thinking about? Uh, I've got a couple. I think regardless whoever Drew wins, I hope he's or faces. I hope he's still the champion in the teams because he never got his WrestleMania moment, and by God, that man deserves it. Um, for me, I would love to see JSU take the title from Roman at Mania, just turn on him, and then just be better. He cheats, or the better he does it cleanly. I'd just love to see Jay take the Roman. 
and then he's the head of the table. I think that would be brilliant. It's bold. I would maybe. I don't. Um, I, I'd maybe say it needs stretched out a bit longer. I think maybe I would be too small a time for it to work. But I could see it working if they, if they did it right. I think it'd be great if they had fans with it for that turn. Yeah, again, it's still fancy booking. I mean, throw, you know, most likely, probably, I don't know, Roman versus Kevin Owens, probably. But I would just love to see Jay just stick it to him and just be standing with the Universal title over him. I mean, we know fine well they're going to do Goldberg versus Roman, which I don't want them to do. Jimmy's due to come back as well, so what's going to happen with him and Jay? You know, they're going to re- reunite as a tag team, or will they all join Roman as the bloodline? If you put them in a tag team again, you put the Usos versus the Street Profits at WrestleMania. I would mm-hmm. watch that. Oh, yeah. Well, I would love that. I think they need the Usos desperately because, like, look at how many tag teams in 2020 they've broken up. That was a major thing that WWE had done wrong in, in 2020, booking the tag teams. Mm-hmm. Like, they keep breaking people up, moving people like brands, putting together people like Angel Garza and Andrade for months on end and never having them win the titles despite how many opportunities they get. <laughs> yeah, I would love to just chuck them together. Yeah. I would love to see I don't see the Street Profits being champions at Mania. I can see them dropping it to Hardy and Matt Riddle and them going to Mania. Different brands. Oh, so they are. Sorry, forget me. Just put the belt together, like Mania. Like, aye, something like that'd be great. Aye, the Hurt Business versus the Street Profits for the Unified Tag Team titles. Why did they split up the Iconics as well? Because if, oh, the reason, if the reason was to push Peyton Royce as a single star, why are they... Why is she on a much lower tier now in a lost tag team with Lacey Evans? Oh, Meanwhile, See, the issue with it is they've put they split them up, they put Peyton with uh, Lacey, and they've put Billy into a feud with the with the Riot Squad where she needs to find tag partners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely pointless. To be fair, Billy has been very entertaining with the whole resume. No, thing. I, think, I find that very entertaining. Yeah. It needs to lead to Peyton eventually coming back over the SmackDown. That needs to be the kind of way that... See if that's how that ends. You know... And then Lacey Evans gets chucked to NXT UK or something like that. I'll be happy. What's from Lacey well, Evans? I feel really sorry for her because she was when she came up, she was meant to be the woman that was going to carry the women's division, and she's just been passed until the post, and she's never getting her chances. I mean, I think she'd be a cracking champion if they really gave her a chance. They just had to hone her craft in NXT a bit longer. I think she was just brought to Raw and SmackDown too soon. Prime example of what we spoke about earlier. They keep yeah. bringing them up. I mean. We're going to talk about after WrestleMania. I could just see that what they're going to do. They're going to bring Bronson Reed up as a dinosaur or something. <laughs> or as I've seen in the cafe, Barry Corbin's going to resurrect the Undertaker, and he's the new Undertaker. Have you not seen that like, in cafe news? No. no. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. That is bad. Stephen, there's a number of things we've been pointing out here of uh, that have irritated us and some things we'd like to see, but there's some there are some things about the WWE's management of the pandemic which I think are worth pulling out. I mean, they've kept going, and we can debate 
another time perhaps whether or not they should have kept going but they have kept going when so many other industries have ground to halt the creation of the Thunderdome, I think they deserve massive credit for that and it really injected some more life back into the products. We were all fed up, I think, of the empty performance centre and even the stage performance centre. It really made a big difference to the atmosphere. I think they deserve huge credit to it. I think the WWE Network as well, uh, going into 2021, it will be interesting to see what they continue to do with that because we've seen some really great stuff go on to the network just now. You know, the Taker documentary, the Stone Cold sessions I think have been great. Uh, the NXT on there, the, the delay because of their TV deals here and in the US is a pain in the arse, I won't lie about that, that's absurd. And then the introduction of the independent stuff, I think that's been interesting. If I was WWE and I was looking at my TV contracts, and I say this, we don't know what the TV contracts look like, and I suspect there'll be a lot of other things. So we don't know what the TV contracts actually contain, so I suspect there are other things in there other than just the direct ratings, because the social prints for both shows will be enormous. But if I was WWE, you've got, you know, this billion dollar deal with Fox, a similar size deal with USA Network. They've got another three and a bit years left to run on them, so we'll be looking to negotiate in maybe two years, 18 months time. I'd be having a real eye to eating up my company for not getting the same value for those contracts as I did get previously and having your own network is going to be important for that and um, the other thing I really hope when we go into 2021 that we see much less of we started to see thankfully much less of it recently is the fucking cinematic matches <laughs> oh, they, were no. great. they were great to start with they yeah. were really good to start. but then you know the swamp match you know oh no more please yeah the swap mm. match was brilliant because it was something new, something different. But I agree now they're a bit tainted. Yeah, when I mean, you look at the Street Profits Viking Raiders one, like, I don't even know what the fuck that was. Can that oh, be considered a match? God. That was a contrast. I considered that, consider that a cinematic match, but I wouldn't have said it was a cinematic match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he almost debuted as a giant ninja, and then he was a bouncer, and then he was, now he's AJ Styles' bodyguard. He's like, he did more gimmicks in one year than most people do. He said there's almost as many jobs in 2020 as Alan has. Excuse me, you're both Eric's ahead of me in that one. Thank you very much. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. Party deal, so he's doing so many jobs so he can get multiple contracts, so he's been to multiple people at once. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Alan, uh, he made, it, Gary made a good point about the the way WWE's handled the, pa- the the pandemic. I mean, there is points, there is the negative aspects of it, but they have done a lot right. I mean, both the companies have done right. As we move into this kind of 2021, there's going to be different challenges with it. What kind of, how do you think they're going to overcome the, the challenges we'll see handling the pandemic at the beginning of the year? Um, I think, obviously, the vaccines have been released just now. WWE are going to push faster and harder on AEW to take crowds in. Especially the fact that many are will be three months after you know the new year, so I think they're going, they're going to see larger attendances. Maybe not necessarily the smartest move to do, especially because there have been new mutations and so forth reported. Um, 
with them apparently going to be using more stadiums as well for Thunderdome particularly, it would be good to see like the hell keeping the hell the hell off so like bringing in the elimination chambers. That'd be quite good to see within the Thunderdome. But until such time, I don't see much changing. Um, other than the crowds maybe growing for the first maybe four or five months, maybe by the end of the summer, September time, you'll probably see them start to move back into the arenas, 10, 12,000 seater arenas. That's kind of how I think it'll go. Mm-hmm. I really miss fans, Scott. I don't know about you. I think the, yeah. if they can get fans into the... The Rumble might be a push, but there's talk that they might get it because there's other sports in Florida who have been able to get the stuff in, Flo- in Florida. But if they could definitely get it by WrestleMania, I think they having some sort of spectacle for WrestleMania, what they can, even if it's like 5,000 fans, it's better than what they had last year. This year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think the Rumble is a push. You can see why we talked about it in the past, like why they would want fans for the Rumble. Because like part of the atmosphere is the fans can't counting down the the countdown for the next entry, and then there's a pop for a surprise entry. Like imagine like trying doing the Thunderdome with no fans, have an edge return. Like it wouldn't be the same. But I think we see with the Thunderdome they can pipe noise in, so they can kind of control that, get the reaction they want, rather than having fans turn on things. So I think they're going to have to deal with like piping in the the countdown for the Rumble, and hope that by Mania a decent portion of the country, or at least like the near the air there and like have been vaccinated so they can hopefully have people there because like even a few a couple of hundred people or people who are basically spread out they can't do a full capacity as much as Vince would want to even a well, on the Thunderdome fan thing first back down a couple of weeks ago that's heavily produced you've got somebody you're talking to you and telling you when to cheer and boo and so on so they probably might get the countdown reaction or they're certainly trying to control the fan and influence the fan reaction a wee bit more by telling you let's all boo for uh, Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman now <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, in the studio audience with a flashing sign that says applause <laughs> but one thing Dave though I think this we'll, we'll see 2021 it'll change the way WWE kind of works things I mean house shows for the last so many years I've seen them lose a lot of money they take the, they take them to so many places, they get bugger all attendances, and they end up with wrestlers who are exhausted, hurt. For example, the I think some of the some of the talent Reigns in particular is a great example of seem refreshed by not having as heavy a schedule. You think when they move it to twenty twenty one and the fans can return maybe later in the year, there'll be less of the house show circuit and they'll be more focused that type of stuff when they're like in the European tours, for example? Mm. Yeah, the house show circuit needs to be cut down massively. And it's, it's not to say that, you know, they can't go on the road still because, you know, most weeks of the year they would do house shows near enough every single day at some point. Uh, but I think one of the benefits of the pandemic is that, you know, everything's being filmed in Florida. They're, all the talent are living in Florida. It's it's much easier for them, you know, to manage their, their schedule. It's like, you know, living like maybe a 20 minute drive from your office, for example, it's a much more uh, down to earth working environment and it's proving beneficial to a lot of the talent because it might be a reason why some of the talent were, were so un, unhappy because of, you know, different working practices and stuff. And I think the 
Yeah, the house shows need to be cut down massively because it doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't help like the company or the talent in any aspect. But say for like takeovers, for example, you know they go to a different location for takeover events wherever, say, the big four pay per views happening. But the majority of their shows are are all filmed in Florida. If WWE like Raw and SmackDown took that approach the same way they did for NXT, it's uh, it would be a lot easier for everybody. I don't I, I don't think uh, keeping Raw and SmackDown so heavily in the one area is the best business model. I can understand what? the house show's not what? being great, but why not keep the Thunderdome? I mean, the, the aesthetics and the, the setup of it, you know, with the pyrotechnics setup. Like, they brought back pyrotechnics, for God's sake. I mean, that's... Uh, I think that's something yeah, WWE fans have been clamouring for for years. I think if you bring fans back and you keep it uh, isolated like that, I think it's got a harder thing to convince... I think the thing with the WWE model, the way they work it is, compared to like NFL, NBA, that type of stuff, where you get season ticket football, for example, and you're going back all the time. But I think with the... It's harder to kind of have that type of approach in WWE because it's like, can you imagine having a season ticket for Raw? Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Like 99% of their fan base, it's just something I don't see them ever doing. I can't I get, see it. I get the house show thing. I get cutting the house shows because they go to a lot of places and get like 40% attendances. It's like, if you're going to get that attendance for a show, just don't go. Yeah. Simple. The house show should only be for international, so like when they come here to the UK. Yeah, I think That's so. Right. I think, I think because they go to all these places in America anyway. They all get the opportunity to have Raw. They get the opportunity to go to SmackDown. But here and all the other European countries, they don't get a chance to always always see the main products. So going there for going to like say maybe Italy, going to France, you've seen them do that. Having house shows there makes sense because they're never going to see the products. But in America, they've got there's there's always at least one chance a year they get to see it. Point counterpoint though, you've had a year um, of not having these shows, not having these events. So when the WWE comes back into your town for the first time in ages, I I think there could be a period of boom for events that follow. Now, how long that will last before it tapers off again? But a focused uh, house show model could still work for them and could prove to be quite financially lucrative. But I do emphasize the word focused. You know, pick your hot spots work those markets, move on to the next one, um, skip out some of the markets of the type of ones you were alluding to, Stephen. But, you know, the, I think they could actually draw, you could, you know, somebody that works in the events, I, I think um, you could be looking for some decent returns in your events when you're able to bring them back because people haven't had them, we've missed them. You just think about the type of events that you're all personally looking forward to going to, again, so when you get the chance to do it, I think people will buy tickets and, and go to these things again. Yeah, I think for house shows, the main market is for kids. Because the kids want to see them. People at our age, not really, it's good to go and see them. But the same thing, you know, no titles are going to change hands. They're, they are going to hold back. They're not going to go full pelt like they would in a raw smack down a pay-per-view or whatever. So... Like people early age and our generation are maybe not going to be. I, could, I totally agree with you. I think there will be a boom at first, but maybe after six months to a year, it's going to go back to what it was. And I think it's not going to really work. Kids, if you're, if you're taking kids and you get a massive child falling, like the Cena was about, it could probably do pretty well. But there's no really kid friendly main stars there. And I don't think it's going to work because people early age are not going to go to watch 
Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens in a Universal title match, but we all know Owens isn't going to win that title. Uh, but you made a po- really great point there, Alan, which is a part of the reason why the house show business was starting to tail off. It's the product they give to you. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to see what the rest holds, mm-hmm. which we've seen, you know, uh, you know, a number of us on this call were part, went to the uh, the Raw house show in Glasgow, which was supposed to be uh, a TV show, which got changed. And we had Braun Strowman and AJ Styles, which should, you know, on paper is a good match, but it was all, you know, chicken shit heel tactics running away. And after a while, that's just boring as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only, the only real draw for that show was you had The Fiend as The Fiend, which was quite cool at the time, because he was just, he was only yeah. three months into The Fiend stuff. And it was, you, you just really wanted to see the entrance. But there was a cage match, you could barely see the body entrance. Couldn't even yeah. see him. Well, they used that <laughs> red lights as well which was bloody horrendous so you couldn't actually see the match very well at all and he was in that feud with rollins but terrible oh i really like so tiff rollins did have a good year um mm-hmm. but there's a lot there's been a lot there's a lot of things to kind of take on it going into 2021 now with, i mean earlier on the show i mean actually who obviously was your star you think it's going to break out but to, to final to round off the show I'm going to ask you each for one bold prediction for 2021. It could be anything. It could be something. It might not even be bold, but I'm going to ask you all for something bold that you're going to see for next year. I'm going to start with Scott. What do you think? Oh, you had to come to me first, didn't you? (laughs) Okay. Here's a bold prediction, and mainly because uh, of how Vince works. We will have some fans for Mania. I think we'll have close, a very close to capacity like level of fans for SummerSlam. SummerSlam will have fans and it'll be like not a full a venue but close enough to capacity for Vince to be happy with it. Bye SummerSlam. Uh, Gary, what are, you, what are you going with? Oh, I had five things written, written down for my hopes for 2021 so I'll just pick one of them. Um, I think they need to bring back general managers. I uh, like that. Having... Adam Pierce, Postman Pierce, do whatever the hell he does. It just doesn't work for me. Having the Miz send Manny Rose to a different show doesn't work for me. So I think they need to. Th- I don't think WWE can book and present TV without authority figures, and we don't want the authority figures to be in the McMahons. And please, dear God, no Stephanie on TV in 2021, please. She's barely been on telly in the last year. That's a quite a pro. I can't Belly, remember. Belly's not good enough, Stephen. Zero. No, no, she no on, Stephanie. Has she been on the telly? I can't really remember. She appeared in Mania. The draft uh, as well. Oh, fair, the draft. Of course. She was so on, she three, was examples, the draft. three examples off the top of her head. That's too many. Uh, that's very true. Very true. Uh, Alan, what are you thinking? Uh, more stars becoming Grand Slam champion. So AJ Styles becoming a Grand Slam champion. Mm. He needs the tag titles, doesn't he? And the yeah, yeah. Interesting. But interesting to see who you could put him in a team with. Omar. Omar. <laughs> oh no. Shoulders. <laughs> Anybody oh. but almost. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one name on that performance center list I was like, yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't look does it look like he can wrestle. The one in a couple of weeks he'll hit, he'll hit a drop kick on something, I'll be like, whoa. He very gently dropped the Miz through that table, didn't he? 
Yeah, but it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see if they actually push that as a certain big. Uh, Dave, what are you going with? I'm going to be pretty bold on this one. What's that? <laughs> Ronda Rousey will come back. Because we have, we have seen the announcement of Superstar Gaming Sessions coming out. Ronda Rousey is front and center of that poster, which makes me think, you know, at some point, maybe not by Mania time, because she is currently dealing with a back injury. Uh, maybe SummerSlam or Survivor Series. So maybe late half of 2020, or 2021, I should say, uh, Ronda Rousey will come back. You think she'll feud with Becky Lynch? You think we'll get that match? Probably. I think, you know, it's it goes back to WrestleMania 35, you know, the, there was a fluky pin with the the crucifix pin, Rod had her shoulder up. There's there's a reason for it to pick up again. Yeah, SummerSlam's a bit more realistic than WrestleMania. I mean, come on, she's, she looks great, but my gosh, she's just had a baby. Give her some time. Uh, uh, what's my bold prediction? I think... Dominic Mysterio will be world champ. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I would like to see a, t- a title run of some sort for Buddy Murphy. Mm. I would like to see him get another belt again. You know, IC title, US title. I would, I would really like to see less camera cuts. I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> camera cuts on Raw are terrible. Less animals as well. Get on another bold prediction. Aye, go for it. By the end of 2021, WWE will got him aboard and will have sacked the 24-7 title. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Gary, you said you had other stuff written down. What else you got? Um, I wrote down, these were things that I would like to see. So, uh, secondary titles mean something. Mm-hmm. I think they've made a step to rehabilitate them, so more for that. Desperate for there to be feuds for the women outside of the title picture. I think that happens few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the guys touched on this one all early. Either commit to having two tag divisions or merge the titles. Mm-hmm. And the other one I noted down is the timing of the draft. I, mean, I think the draft is great and it should mean something, but it has to be timed properly. I, I think the timing of it this year it was too close to Survivor Series. It has, I think it has to be right after Mania before you get, you know, we've seen it in the past where you've had, you know, somebody challenge somebody for a title, which was kind of like up in the works before the draft, and then it turns out they're on separate brands. So I don't think that works. So I think that should um, mean something. And if you have general managers, that could bring back the competitive nature of the brand as well. And the final thing that I said already was the NXT call-ups need to mean something again. I think if WWE could do some of these things, it would help the presentation of the product from a fan's perspective to be much more interesting. Stephen, you said already about the match center pay-per-views. We need to stop having... Uh, we need matches that fit stipulations, not the other way. Not the other way around. And also, like, Survivor, you know, Survivor Series is a good example. It's supposed to be brand warfare, but nobody spoke about brand warfare. The whole night, the scores meant nothing on it. And if you look at Hell in a Cell this year, which I thought was a good show, you had Roman and Jay, didn't we? Which was too soon. Uh, Sasha and back in uh, Sasha and Bailey, which was also too soon in their stories for me. And then we had Drew and Randy, which I think was too late in their storytelling. Point. You need that sweet spot where it means something. Mm-hmm. 
Alan, you had another point. I think there'll be a push for more intergender wrestling. That is bold. Mm. I think you're going to see like a Shayna, uh, maybe even Charlotte, Nia taking on you know some of the main stars. Like Randy Orton said he'd love to do a match with Nia Jax. I think it'd be brilliant. I think actually a decent match. Everybody says they want to do a match with Nia Jax. Maybe just doesn't want to face anyone. He's like just. Hit me, just knock my jaw off, whatever I'm saying, I don't need to face him again. I would love but to see Shane a batter the miss. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> I, think, I think Randy's like, I fancy three months off now, you don't have a match. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easy holiday, you know. <laughs> the dream like match. Most... And uh, Randy, Charlotte. I, there you I, go, I, Charlotte wins the WWE title, so one, one of the only titles she's no one yet. <laughs> Aye, that's how she's going. She's going to win the Rumble for a second year in a row. She's going to cash in on Drew or Roman and beat him. You know, <laughs> and truly be the queen of everything. And on that note, I think that's a perfect way to end our show looking at the future of WWE. We've tried to look and see what we think might happen in 2021. Obviously, it's not going to happen the way we book it because it's WWE. You know, they love to do things a bit differently, as we've known in the past. But... Hopefully we get at least something right as we go into next year and put 2020 behind us. Uh, so if this is the first time you listen to us here on the podcast, we've got an extensive back catalogue full of shows, including shows like this on our ESSR feature out every Tuesday, our ESSR Central show out every Thursday, apart from last week we took off for Christmas, where we look at all the U's and the goings-on professional wrestling. We've also got East Meets West, or look at U Japan Pro Wrestling, and Saturday Draft Live, which is a unique... I don't know why I said that in such a American way. You've got to the guys look at our fantasy draft league currently being won by David Hockney. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to hopefully how the season doesn't end but hey ho hey, let me uh, David Doss draft make it, make it a thing you won it, you won it, this, won it remember this, this time last year you know this is his time of year for the draft I know it's terrible. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's the champ of the of the sweeps and the, leading the draft that can't go on what uh, a but we've got loads <laughs> of great on Loads of great content coming in 2021. We've got all the stuff going on our YouTube channel, the semi-finals and finals of the Book It Tournament, uh, more quiz showdown and more conspiracy theory. The feature lineup as well. We've got some fantastic content coming up in there. We've got a show on R-Truth coming up soon. That's an interesting one. Our look back at the previous two NXT UK Blackpool shows. We highlight our best Royal Rumble moments. And, of course, looking back on the one year since Drew McIntyre's Royal Rumble win. That's just coming up in January. There's so much more coming up over the rest of the year. So if you have enjoyed what you listen to and want to hear those shows, please subscribe to us on all or on your podcast platform of choice and find, uh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Suplex Retweet. For all of today, I'd like to thank my panel, first of all, David Hockney. Thanking you. Uh, to Scott McLeod, thank you. Thank you very much. To Gary Kernan, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen, you know I don't like you or care for you very much, but I do like to take the chance to wish you a very happy birthday because that's coming up very soon. Yeah, this, this this show will actually come out on your birthday, Gary, as opposed to when you thought you, this, what show thought you thought was going to come out on your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my birthday's the 20th of December. If anybody wants to send gifts that, uh, in cash, they're both gratefully received. It takes gifts, cash, 
hate mail. He takes them all. Oh, get plenty of that. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. I don't need any more. <laughs> Finally to Alan McLucas, thank you. Cheers. Not after that after that. I've been Stephen Wilson and we'll see you next time. This is an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown 6. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Hi, my name's Daniel Campbell. I'm the host of Quiz Showdown. And since it's Christmas time, we're going to do a Christmas special called Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. See Ross McLeod defend his championship against six of ESSR's finest in a Christmas-themed wrestling quiz where there will be laughs, hilarity and fun. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown 6. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Coming December 21st.